I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Nation podcast, Matt Hofeld, along with the one, the only Rich DeCray. And this is the podcast in which we get to talk about how much we don't know because we don't know what's going to happen. Is Oklahoma going to start the football season on August 29th? We don't know. I'm thinking no, though. I'm thinking it's a definite no, but we don't know for sure. How many people are going to be able to play in Oklahoma's defense? We don't know because they're dropping like flies. I mean, it's just, it's crazy how how time has you fight COVID you think you got a plan and then you got the injury and let's let's start with the injury report um three and I want to say all three of them are key figures for Oklahoma's defense starting with the the big one Caleb Kelly out for the season with a knee injury Marcus Hicks out for the season it looks like if not the full season the majority of the season with an Achilles injury and Justin Harrington out. And I don't know, have you heard what injury is with Justin Harrington? I I haven't. Um, you were able to confirm that, though? Yes, yes, okay, he's out. Because I know that you and I, earlier this week, as news started being released, there was a lot of speculation. There were some rumors that were floating around and some things that we weren't able to confirm at the point of our exchange, Matt. And I had said, you know, I had heard Justin Harrington was on that list, but couldn't confirm it. There were no details. I didn't see anyone talking about it. It was just word coming from a, a friend of mine through another friend of his ultimately is what, what it was. Heard it so, from a friend. Who, exactly. I just, I don't know how much. Friend who. Sorry. I don't know how much stock to put in to that um, because some of it is just that speculation where some of it is actually based in truth. And it's at times difficult for me personally and, mm-hmm. and these friends that I have. It's difficult to sort through it all when it's in just a chain or a group text message. Right, right. No, yeah, Justin Harrington's definitely injured. What I don't know about Justin Harrington is, is it a season-ending injury like – We've got with Caleb Kelly, uh, like we potentially have with Marcus Hicks. I can't imagine Marcus Hicks with the torn Achilles coming back this season, but, you know, all things are possible, I guess. And then Justin Harrington, and and if I were to rank these in order on the defensive side of the ball, if I were to rank them in order of significance, I think you start with Caleb Caleb Kelly, right? Number one? No. No? No. You're going to go with Harrington? No, I'm going to go with Mordecai. No, no, no. I'm talking on the defensive side of the ball. Okay. I totally missed that word that you said. Yeah, it absolutely has to be Caleb Kelly then, in in my opinion. You look at what Oklahoma has at linebacker. You look at what they're losing. Of course, I I think there are two stellar names. The highlight or the most notable name that's going to be on that list is Deshaun White and the the prospect Mm -hmm. that he is heading into the season. But there are other candidates. We were just looking at Caleb Kelly as a guy who has the speed. He's got the range that this this Oklahoma defense has been, been clamoring for. And we really saw that. Just just last year. Right. Um, I'm not saying that Caleb Kelly would have been in the middle of the linebacking crew of this defense, but I do think he had the speed to to make things difficult for opposing offensive coordinators and more specifically quarterbacks. Well, and just the on-field leadership with Caleb Kelly right. is that I think that's probably uh, the, the truth of the matter is, first of all, Caleb Kelly is a great person. Tremendous football player, tremendous athlete, but overall he is a great person. And so Anybody who's ever been around him, anybody who's ever covered him, anybody who's ever been in a room with him, when they saw that injury report that he had torn an ACL, second time it's happened to him in just over a year, you you just immediately hurt, not because of what it does to the football program, 
you hurt because you know that the person that Caleb Kelly is. And it's just there, there's injuries that just sometimes they become more significant because of the person who's injured because they are just great people. Caleb Kelly falls into that category, not not to be disparaging towards Marcus Hicks or Justin Harrington. Truth of the matter is, I don't know them. I, I don't I, I don't have the, the same amount of familiarity with them as I have with Caleb Kelly. But the experience and the on-field leadership that Caleb Kelly brings is just off the charts. And that's where, you know, you you we always talk about the quarterback on the offensive side of the ball, but the defense needs a quarterback as well. And that the quarterback doesn't, it could be any guy. It could be anybody in the linebacking crew. It can be someone in the, in the, on the defensive line. It could be in the secondary. It's that guy who has the experience to make the calls, to, to call the signals, to call the plays, to make sure everyone's lined up in the right position before the ball snaps. And Caleb Kelly is one of those guys that could have done that for Oklahoma. And now you have to wonder, is his, is his football career over? Two knee, major knee injuries. Does that end it for a guy like Caleb Kelly? I think he's got a bright future in the broadcast booth if he wants to do that. I think he can be a coach if he wants to do that. But I think he's also determined enough that he can come back and play linebacker if he wants to do that. But you hit it. His his um one of the greatest attributes he has physically on the field is his speed, his ability to get sideline to sideline two knee injuries, how much of that does he lose? I don't know, because we did see him very sparingly in this previous season, and it didn't seem as though he was any slower than previous years, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe a little more cautious in his approach to the game, knowing that he was going to potentially take that red shirt in 2019 and play the full season here in 2020. With that injury, I mean, let's be honest here. When we look at the athletes of today and we look at the technology that is available through the rehab process, it's almost as if that rehab process has been shortened and players come back without seemingly missing a step. I don't know that's going to be the case for Caleb Kelly. I don't know that it won't be the case for Caleb Kelly, though, because you look at the attitude that he has, you look at the personality, and yeah, you you hurt as an individual for mm-hmm. him, whether you know him or you don't. But again, I think Caleb Kelly was a five-star recruit because, because of his worth, work ethic. I think he was a five-star recruit because of his tenacity and his ability to overcome obstacles that were placed before him. And there's no reason for me to believe that any of that has changed with that work ethic, with that tenacity, with that ability to overcome the the hurdles that are thrown in front of him, Caleb Kelly can come back, as you've mentioned. And I don't doubt that he would be any less of a player than he is currently. Yeah, and I just don't know that I'm I don't know that I'm tempted if I'm Caleb Kelly just to take a flyer on the NFL, be a late round draft pick, just to uh, Rodney Anderson situation. How many injuries can you can you do? in college without getting paid, you know, before it really starts. And I think he's at that threshold, another injury and you're done, you know, you're done, done. And and so Rodney Anderson had reached that point. And then you see him suffer another injury Mm -hmm. in the NFL, but at least the NFL injury, he got paid for that. And I'm thinking if I'm Caleb Kelly, uh, I'm, I'm doing my rehab. I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to get back in shape and get back on the field. But the next field I step on, if I'm Kevin Kelly, I think I want to be an NFL field where I'm trying to make a team because he does have the talent to be a late round pick, but really pay dividends for you because you're getting him on the cheap. I want to talk about Marcus Hicks and I want to I want to talk about Justin Harrington. Um, I, I think I think Marcus Hicks, if I'm ranking these defensive injuries one through three and in, in significance, I think I have to put Marcus Hicks at number two for two primary reasons. Number one is it's it looks like it, with an Achilles, it is going to be a season-ending injury. But number two, when you consider, oh, yeah, what else is happening with the defensive ends? Yeah, that's right. You've got a major suspension there with Ronnie Perkins. So all of a sudden, your defensive end group takes another massive hit when you talk about depth. So Ronnie Perkins is going to be out. We don't know how many games it's going to be. It looks like Oklahoma is going to play 10 games. So that means five-game suspension. You played one. Is he going to miss four games to start the season? You know, three of those four games are going to be conference games. So 
not having Marcus Hicks, who had really done a lot to build up weight um, and and was expected to be a contributor on this defensive front, you're you're really hurting. I mean, you're you're hurting, and so a guy like Reggie Grimes, who's that tweener, outside linebacker, defensive end guy, he becomes that much more important. We've talked a lot about Jalen Redmond and what can Oklahoma do with him. You know, on that defensive line, can they can they move him to the outside? Um, you look at the linebacker core in general, and you start trying to find guys. Well, you're down Caleb Kelly there, so what does that mean for a guy like Brian Asamoah? You know, can, well, I mean, there's just so much going on that this one injury, removing this guy from the equation, is I think if you're going to see some things shuffle around on that front seven where some linebackers are going to move back up to the defensive line just to cover what you don't have at the defensive end position. And you're going to see some of the guys on the interior of the defensive line move to the outside like a Jalen Redmond. So I think that becomes a really big deal. And when you look at Justin Harrington, a junior college transfer has a lot of potential, but he may not be out for the season because we don't know the extent of his injury. We, we don't know what it's going to be like. But you do know you've got Jaden Davis and Trey Brown, two very experienced cornerbacks. So to me, that Marcus Hicks injury becomes the second most important one. I can't disagree with you. We've talked about the defense front to back and how important it is, specifically in the Big 12, to get pressure on a quarterback. Unless you're facing a team who caught lightning in a bottle like LSU, uh, the that pressure on the quarterback is going to relieve a lot of the stress that's placed upon the secondary, especially if they're asked to cover five, seven seconds downfield. It's a very rare thing. Mm -hmm. We've seen it happen and we've seen the nightmare disasters that come from being asked to cover for such long periods of time. All of a sudden that's at the forefront of the mind. When you begin to talk about this Oklahoma defense, when you talk about the depth of quarterback play, here in the Big 12 as well, on top of that, there there is a recipe <laughs> for some very entertaining things to happen, whereas we once sat down and looked at this defense and said they're improving and we expect more improvements. I don't know that that, that is the full go. I don't know that that's the thought process for a lot of fans who surround the program at this point. I, I may be switching sides and saying, okay, with that reshuffle that we expect to happen that you laid out, the defense is going to be that liability again instead right. of this consistently improving unit or group of players. Yeah, and it's, and it's unfortunate because what we saw on display big time in the Peach Bowl was the lack of depth on the defensive side of the ball. Right. And now it looks like that Alex Grinch is going to be crutched by that once again in 2020 with a lack of depth. Now, the defense is not the only side of the ball where Oklahoma has faced injury mm -hmm. as they've started fall camp. So there's a key offensive injury that I believe basically ends one of the position battles before it even begins. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Spencer Rattler, Tanner Mordecai locked in on a quarterback battle that would determine the future of Oklahoma football for 2020 and beyond. Rich, I'm going to go ahead and say it. That battle's over. That battle never even started. First of all, I think it was a false battle as we have seen in the past three years with Oklahoma football in terms of a quarterback competition. But if you're a heavy favorite like Spencer Rattler, or let's just say a heavy underdog like Tanner Mordecai, um, and then you're injured and you've got to miss time. You've already missed the spring. And we, you and I talked extensively about this. We even talked about with Chris Plank when we had him on the podcast that the spring hurt Tanner Mordecai a lot more than it hurt Spencer Rattler in terms of winning this quarterback battle. And now you're injured and you're not able to go. Is there is there a quarterback battle? If there was, assuming there was, like Lincoln Riley led us all to believe or wants us all to believe, how can there be one now when one of the two horses in this race is limp? <laughs> I 
at the end of the season, as Oklahoma was closing out the loss in the college football playoff to LSU. Uh, yeah, everybody knows where you're going here. We right. know that Spencer Rattler and stepped onto the field mm-hmm. before Tanner Mordecai. A lot of people jumped on social media as well as forums, boards, things of that nature, and began to, for lack of a better term, label Spencer Rattler as the the future, as the starting quarterback. I'm one of those guys. Now, I did that. Now we're sitting here, Matt, and we're having this discussion, and I'm saying, was it really ever a battle? Was it really ever any was – it, was it the starting position really up for grabs? Or is that this ploy that we've seen Lincoln Riley do time mm-hmm. and time again in order to rope in a quality backup to who he believes the starter is already going to be? That, of course, would have been Tanner Mordecai. We saw last year we didn't have that luxury, um, and we saw Schaefer step in right. as the backup. Needless to say, I'm looking at the quarterbacks who are listed here, and this is the craziest thing to me. Without Tanner Mordecai in the mix, is it going to be two freshmen, one a true freshman and one a redshirt freshman on the two deep? Well, I think you're I, I no, I think Tanner Mordecai well, I don't think it's a season ending injury with Mordecai. I right. just think it's an injury where I, I'm he can't I'm compete. just looking at day one. Yeah, where he can't compete to be that because you mm-hmm. look, we we know we're going to talk about this here in a little bit, but we know that the season's most likely not starting on August 29th. So you're not as close to game prep as you need to be. So Lincoln Riley has time, but you're getting really close to that 30 day window for you start. Right. You have to start game prepping. But I'm, I'm looking, like I said, I'm looking at the roster and there are three scholarship quarterbacks on this roster. Spencer Rattler, who's in the middle Tanner Mordecai, who's the oldest, and Chandler Morris, who would be the youngest of that group. Chandler Morris is my dog, man. Remember, on, I, I was high on. I was on day I was one. Screaming that they were going to get Chandler Morris up until signing day. I'm high on Chandler Morris, on but he's day, not going to be number two on day. On you day, don't, you on, don't no, believe so? No, day one, Tanner Mordecai will be number two. Okay. I, I don't believe it's a, again. I don't believe it's a significant injury that causes a loss in playing time. Mm-hmm. I believe it's an injury that's significant because it will end this quarterback, and I'm doing air quotes, this quarterback competition that's going on in Norman. So when you're when you're running your reps, think about this. If you're Lincoln Riley and you're in fall camp and you're running your offensive reps with the ones, that means your starters. The ones, if you, anytime, if, if you don't know this, anytime you hear about people saying, we're going with the ones, that means that's your starters. That's your projected starters. You're not going to put Chandler Morris in there. You might put Tanner Schaefer in there because Tanner Schaefer is what I would think would be the next guy. And, and he's got experience right. in the system so, as so, a senior. So right now, Tanner Schaefer would be QB2. But I think as soon as Tanner Mordecai gets back, then Tanner Mordecai gets that number two spot. But I, I don't think it I, I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna affect day one that depth chart where you're going to have a guy like Chandler Morris as high as I am literally am on Chandler Morris. He's not going to be QB two to start the season. He's not going to be QB three to start the season. He's going to be QB red shirt to start the season. Uh, or if, if there is an injury, he's going to be that emergency guy. But um, I just think I've always said this and I think you've agreed with me. And I think the majority of the sooner nation has agreed with us on this is that this has always been, Spencer Rattlers, that the passing of the torch took place in the Peach Bowl. That's what that was. Now, Lincoln Riley says if they get a first down, then Mordecai gets to come in there, but they didn't get a first down. And so we'll never know. We'll truly never know. Right. But I believe that was the passing of the torch. And because of that, it's been it's been Spencer Rattlers team. And if 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 Mordecai was going to make a push for it, it had to have been in the spring. Well, you didn't get to spring, so now you got to go overtime in fall camp, and now you're out in fall camp. So this it's 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 over. I mean, it's officially over that this is going to be Spencer Rattler's team. Yeah, and I do agree. It squashes that conversation uh, pretty hard handedly. Right. So um, we've got um, we've got some scheduling things coming up. The coaches poll is out. Top twenty five, Oklahoma number six. We got to talk about that. Um, we got true or false coming up, but I want to I want to just jump in here with some recruiting. So we're gonna go down our our list here of talking points, and I want to I want to bring up the Damon Harmon uh, commitment um, because that that's big. You you know that I know that we've talked about the Harmon kid 
uh, the cornerback who could be a safety. I still say he's going to be a cornerback, but he's got the range. He's got the athleticism uh, that he could make a safety. I don't think so. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but to me, the biggest thing about his commitment is you look at Kelvin Gilliam, the four-star defensive tackle who's making his commitment announcement on the 22nd of this month. It was really down between Oklahoma and Penn State with Penn State having a slight lead. Now it's down between Oklahoma and Penn State with Oklahoma having the, the edge there because of the Harmon kid and these two guys being really good friends. So this really pays benefits for Oklahoma because not only are you getting a quality cornerback in Harmon, but you're also potentially getting another quality defensive lineman in Kevin Gilliam because of the connection between these two guys. I think it's a pretty big deal. It is a big deal. I, I do want to hit on the disagreement that we're going to have when it comes to Harmon, because you look at where he ultimately projects to in a collegiate defensive scheme. And I know that people have him all over the map. Can he play quarterback at not quarter corner okay. back at the division one level or the FBS level? Absolutely. Can he play safety? Absolutely. Can he play the nickel position? Absolutely. He's a very versatile talent that I think has been extremely underrated through this recruitment process for him and really up to the commitment for him. I, I do believe that no school is going to remove that scholarship offer and they are going to try to sway him because of what I've said about him really flying under the radar. I'm looking at Harmon. I, I'm looking at the skill. I'm looking at the ability that he has, but I'm also looking at this um, unwavering commitment to like a safety coming up and run support that we see him do in some of the highlights during his high school career. That's why I think Oklahoma could shift him over to safety. Not saying that it's going to happen, but there are plenty of options on the defensive side of the ball for where Harmon can fit in. And when I look at this kid specifically, and when I look at the future, it says that he will be on the field sooner rather than later. And it all comes down to that versatility. Well, the versatility is key. And I think if Oklahoma gets in a pinch that they're going to have that as an option, but here's a question. Uh, I'm going to point to you, my friend, um, Jordan Mukes, mm -hmm. local product, Choctaw high school. What position does he play in high school? I thought he played safety in high no, school. He plays corner. But he's going to be a safety in college. Right. And, and all of the recruiting websites have him as a safety, being yeah. recruited as a safety. Yeah. And so he's that's the safety. There, there's your safety. Everybody, that's one, one well, of two. No, look, it's, it's, uh, you're not guaranteed to get two safeties, but if you do get two safeties. No, I'm saying you'll, you could play two safeties on the field. Well, Free yeah, safety, you have a strong right, safety. Yeah, exactly. But that doesn't mean you got to get two safeties in your class. Right. And I think when you've talked about this more than I think anybody on around the lack of depth Oklahoma has at the corner position. Mm -hmm. And when you look at, you look at Jordan Mukes, 6'4", 192, the, the number seven ranked player in the state of Oklahoma, the number 26 safety prospect nationally. And that's according to 24, seven sports. And then you go to Harmon and Harmon's, He's the number 10 player in Virginia, but the number 29 cornerback prospect mm -hmm. in the nation. He's coming to play corner. Any 6'1-178. He's not the he's not the size as Jordan Mukes. Now, not I'm not saying he doesn't have the range. I'm not saying he doesn't have the ability to, to transition. If you watch his film, he is a physical player. He's going to remind you of Jaden Davis. What what it ultimately comes down to for me with Harmon. Matt, is that he's going to be the type of player who's so good that you can't keep him off the field. It's what door is going to open up for him to walk through. I agree with you from the cornerback standpoint. You love his instincts. You love the ability that he has to put on more weight to his frame, more strength in a collegiate strength or, or weight training program. You love all these factors about him, and we've already talked extensively about the versatility. But as I've said, just as it was with Jaden Davis, he's good enough that I, I see it as a near impossibility to keep him off the field. Not doesn't have to be as a freshman, but for sure as a sophomore. Well, but go back and think about Jaden Davis. 
Jaden Davis made his way on the field when there was experienced cornerbacks ahead of him. He did. But and and the reason why is because he's a sure tackler. He mm-hmm. fundamentally he and we said this his freshman season. Fundamentally, he was the best guy Oklahoma put on the field at that position when it came to tackling. Now, was he the best corner guy? No. But he was the most physical of the corners and he was the most fundamentally sound when it came to tackling. That's what Harmon's going to be, and for that reason, he's going to make it on the field. I agree. He'll make it on the field young, but he'll make it on the field at the corner spot because Alex Grinch has a plan. Mm-hmm. If Alex Grinch didn't have a plan for safety, he wouldn't have let Kendall Daniels go. And 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 Oklahoma fans, we got to get over that. By the way, we got to get over. For, and I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say two things. We got to get over. Number one, Alex Grinch has a plan, and that, and that plan does not include Kendall Daniels playing safety. So he has a plan at safety, and Kendall Daniels in Oklahoma could not come to an agreement. And all these people crying and griping and frustrated that Oklahoma let the number one player of the state go? Well, first of all, he wasn't the number one player of the state for most of his career. He just recently became the number one player. Ethan Downs had been the number one player in the state of Oklahoma. It was a long-time commitment. A long-time commitment. So well, Oklahoma has let the number one player of the state go. Okay, no, they've had the number one player in the state mm-hmm. locked up. They've had him locked up for a long time, which I, I'm not in recruiting conspiracies, but I think the fact that you're the number one player and you're locked up, there's no story there. So we're going to readjust these. All of a sudden, Kendall Daniels is the number one player in the state, and he doesn't know where he's going. Oklahoma, I believe I don't have anything other than the firm belief in this. I don't have I haven't talked to anybody who has confirmed it, but I do strongly believe this. Oklahoma withdrew his offer based on the fact that he did not want to play cornerback. Uh, did not want to play in safety. the secondary. He want well. He wants say that right. in general. No, he wants to play in the secondary. He yeah, wanted, yeah. He didn't I want got to play that backwards. Didn't yeah, want to play. He didn't linebacker. want to play linebacker. Wanted to be in the secondary. But, and these people, well, you let him play safety if he wants to play safety. That's not how you build a program. If you let the kid say, hey, we're going to offer you a scholarship. Where do you want to play? Well, you got to let me play safety or I'm not coming to your school, coach. Okay, well, we're going to bring you to our school and you get to play safety. Guess who you turn into? You turn into the Texas Longhorns by doing that kind of stuff. You tell the kid, we want you to come play. We've got a plan for you. Here's what we're going to sell you on. You can be just like Kenneth Murray. You can come in here and we'll turn you to a first-round NFL draft pick at linebacker. Does that sound good to you? No, sir. I want to play safety. Okay. Go find someone who will let you play safety. But you know what? Only one school let him play safety. Only one. And everyone's mad. Well, we didn't let him come to Oklahoma. You know what? Clemson didn't want him to play safety. And none of the other schools wanted to play safety. a the only school that wanted him to play safety. And now guess what a and talking about? You know, they're saying, <laughs> Moving him to linebacker? Yeah, now that he's committed, like, you know what? This kid would be a pretty good linebacker. So what's the problem? His name has not been signed to a letter of intent. If that situation does change, it's going to be an interesting recruitment process for Kendall Daniels down the road, especially if that's true. I had two thoughts, Matt, that I wanted to throw out here. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. I've got two thoughts that I wanted to throw out. I don't believe the rankings for this specific recruiting class matter one bit. There, I, I don't know if you've seen this, there's this trend that players are going to start shifting around the country, especially from states. I've said that word a lot, so let me stop using it. But players are going to start shifting from states that have ruled out a fall football season. Mm-hmm. When you look at the kids who were planning to enroll in January, they're automatically off the table. They want that fall season. You've seen parents jump on board and say, look, my student, my student athlete has worked so hard to get to this spot. And they deserve that one final shot. So we're going to make any sacrifice that we can in order to put them in a position that they want to be in, which is setting them up for success down the road. Kids are moving from the West Coast to the, the Great Plains area. We're looking at kids from California playing in Iowa this upcoming season. I I don't know how much shifting is going to happen, but that is why I believe the rankings mean absolutely nothing. When we talk about the cornerbacks, when we talk about the safeties and where they rank positionally, none of that really matters. They're committed. They've been evaluated by this coaching staff and the coaching staff believes they have the ability to get them over that hurdle, which is what my second point is. Oklahoma is building a dynasty. They've been on the cusp 
for how many years now and have simply failed to get over the one final barrier that sits in existence, which is the college football playoff semifinal. Mm -hmm. Time and time again, when Oklahoma has made it, they have not been able to clear it. Oklahoma is on this path under Lincoln Riley to build a dynasty. You look at what they've done with the offensive line. Who doesn't want to play offensive line? You're looking at what they're doing with the quarterback position. Who doesn't want to play quarterback at the University of Oklahoma? You look at what they're doing at the wide receiver position as well. Pulling in one of one of the deepest recruiting classes two years ago at the wide receiver position. Now, I get Jaden Hazelwood has an injury. We may not see that that specific recruiting class come to fruition and live up to the hype that surrounded it when it comes to the wide receivers, because you also have Trajan Bridges, who is going to be sitting out due to that suspension, which which leaves us with only Theo Weiss. But look at what that recruiting class and the productivity from a guy like CeeDee Lamb, as well as Hollywood Brown in the NFL has done for, well, CeeDee Lamb not in the NFL yet per se, even though he signed his his deal, hasn't played a game. But you look at the success that they've had on the field in college, and now some of those moving on into the NFL and having a very similar level of success at the wide receiver position. Who doesn't want to play wide receiver at the University of Oklahoma? It's trickling down. Now we need to see that begin to happen on the defensive side of the ball. And that's why I think you look at Alex Grinch and you look at him saying, we want you, specifically the Kendall Daniels situation, we want you at linebacker. I, I'm buying into what you're saying. He has a plan, and it is to get over that hurdle and then establish yourself as a longtime player in the college football championship game, mm -hmm. not just the playoff. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, very well said. Uh, you did mention Bill Beatonville offensive line. Oklahoma picks up a crystal ball prediction for a big-time offensive lineman, Sylvian, uh, Savion Bird. Um, who everyone thought was it was heading to SMU. He may be coming to Oklahoma. We'll have more about that at heartland-sports.com as we cover recruiting for the Oklahoma Sooners. We got true or false coming up next. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is time, Matt, where I get to ask the questions this week for true and false. Are there five? There are five. Okay, cool. I, I've prepared five questions for you, um, and these are all I, – I know that in the past I've taken a quick dive out of the realm of football. Yeah, you're always and scary, some, man. some, some yeah. random off-the-wall questions. Kansas Jayhawk that, basketball. That's not going to happen, okay? That's not going to happen. It was okay. Oklahoma State. Yeah, that, but the answer was Kansas. That's not going to happen. I wanted to focus on the upcoming season because as far as we know, this the season is still slated to start on August 29th. I don't believe that to be the case, but there's been no official announcement right. that says otherwise at this point. So when we sit here, as we record this, we are less than 30 days, and I wanted to focus on the upcoming season and more specifically the Oklahoma Sooners solely, alone, no other names mentioned here, okay? You ready for this? I'm, you don't have I, to be yeah. as nervous because this is your realm. Hook a brother up. Let's do this. <laughs> True or false, the 10-game schedule hurts the Big 12's champion, hurts the Big 12 champion's chances of making the college football playoff. No, that's false because it's always been what happens in conference play. Uh, if you look at Oklahoma – for example, Oklahoma is the only Big 12 team to make it in the college football playoff. But who was their big time uh, win against non-conference last season? You know, they're just there's not a big name out there. It mm -hmm. wasn't Houston. Certainly wasn't South Dakota. Wasn't UCLA. There wasn't a big time win out there. So Oklahoma earned it by winning their conference. And so I think it if anything, I think it, it helps Oklahoma because everybody's just going to be based. There's no major. You know, you look at the Pac-12. The Pac-12 usually gets some love because of cross-conference, you know, you had Oregon beating Auburn last year, for example. You don't have that. So everybody's going to be based just off a of conference. Pac-12 is a terrible conference. So, but Oregon was getting the love because they beat Auburn in a terrible conference, and they, you know, they run through a terrible conference. Now you just got to play the terrible conference if you're Oregon. So, no, I don't think it hurts Oklahoma. I don't think it hurts the Big 12 in general because everybody's, for the first time, 
everyone's on the, on, the, on the same playing field. But I will say this. I do think that there's a reason why Oklahoma's shopping around for that one non-conference game. You you don't think it's going to be Missouri State? Well, we'll talk about that later. Okay. I I do have some good thoughts. At okay. Least, at least to me, they're good thoughts. We'll see what, what others think as they hear them. I know one of the things that a lot of people were looking forward to was the Big 12 media days. Mm -hmm. It's that signal that football is almost here. We get an inside look into the preparation, what the coaches are thinking, as well as where the players are at, where they're, where they're at mentally. That was taken away. The players were taken away, and it was going to be a coach-only interview. And then Big 12 media days were canceled, even though it was virtual. We knew that that signified the decision of the upcoming season and what the Big 12 was going to do with their schedule. But with the the rescheduling or this nine plus one format that we're in and this suspected pushing back of the first first Saturday for football, true or false, Oklahoma will re, not Oklahoma, the Big 12, excuse me, will reschedule Big 12 media days. Yeah, true. They'll, they'll do something. I think they're they're they've got one more hurdle. And they've got to determine when they're going to start. Is it going to be the 26th of September? Is it going to be the, you know, the, the 16th of September? When are they going to actually start the season? And then once they figure out when that first conference game is going to be, then all these all the teams can go through and they can finalize their non-conference opponent. I think that's the only hurdle that the Big 12 has left. And once they hit that hurdle, which I believe will be sometime next week, then then you're going to have you're going to have something as a media day. I think it's probably going to go back to the format that it's coaches only, but there will be something out there. Let's start to get a little bit more into the nitty gritty here as it pertains to the Oklahoma Sooners. You and I just had the conversation about the defense becoming more of a liability than something we had a lot of confidence in. We know that the quarterback situation has drastically changed mm -hmm. when it when it when it's concerning the depth there. Oklahoma, we do believe will start Spencer Rattler, who is a first will be a first year starter, assuming that does come true. I'm not like holding my breath or even crossing my fingers because I do believe that to be the case. When it comes to the three sides of the ball, Matt, true or false, we should have the most confidence in special teams this year. Oh, that's a good question. Um man. That's a good question. True or false? Of all the units, you're saying special yep, teams. Special teams, yeah, I think defense, you have or to. offense. I think you have to with your kicker. I mean, you've got a kicker who's, who's on for the Lou Groza Award and all these. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I, and again, it, it begs the question, how was Gabe Burkich not the starter last season? How did that even happen? Um, that's a good point. Now, the question is um, on punting. How are they, are they going to be better at punting? than last year. I'm, I'm talking about hang time and average. <laughs> so that place kicking, I can agree with you. Um, but see, it's, I special teams for me is punting. It's also the return game, punting kick kickoffs and punting return. What's that going to look like? Because, you know, CD lamb had flashes, but we've also seen a lot of times, and it goes back to Bob Stoops where this fair catch city, you know, don't get hurt. You know, um, I have a funny story about that. When I, when I played football, I was a receiver. And the coach wanted me to return punts. And I had I had zero desire to return punts, but we had to. So I fumbled. I, honestly, I fumbled every single punt on purpose. So the coach would pull me out. I mean, I never did it in a game because I never got to return a punt in a game. But I did it in practice. I fumbled every single one of those punts. So I didn't have a chance. It, it, I, I believe catching a punt, fielding a punt, and then running with it is the most difficult play in all of football. How's Oklahoma going to be at that? Because they've been, let's be honest, they've been mediocre. They've been mediocre, going all the way back to Bob Stoops. So when you say special teams, I say I throw all that in there. There are two sides of that right. coin. You're absolutely right. And so right. as far as place kicking goes, 100%. I think Burkish is the guy that everybody's going to have the most confidence in. Kickoffs, yes. Punting, eh, okay. But kick return and punt return, you got to show me something there. But I think you have a good point. And I'm going to go with true. Okay. Long answer. We we have sorted through a little bit of the turmoil, the injuries, 
that have happened, the shuffling that could potentially happen in several different position groups when it comes to this Oklahoma defense as well as the offense. In the the preseason antics that have happened, can mm-hmm. I use that term antics? Sure. In the preseason situations that have played out, the most surprising of the them preseason all, kerfluffle. The the most surprising of them all is Jackson Sumlin showing up on the roster. Yeah, I don't think that's as, as true big or of, false. No, I, I I don't think so. I I don't think that's as big of a deal. I'm gonna say false. I mean, Jackson Sumlin, what's he gonna do? I mean, he's no one knew about this kid mm-hmm. until like three days ago. It's, and then someone it's just this oddity that his well, his dad coaches. Well, but think about where his dad his dad was a a key coordinator for Bob Stoops, right. goes to become the head coach of Texas A&M, fails. He's on shaky ground in West Con- I mean, in Arizona right now. He, he's 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 on the hot seat. So you your kid's going to go walk on somewhere. You want him to have some sort of it's the Chad Morris thing. Chandler Morris was going to Arkansas. He was locked to go to Arkansas. And then Chad Morris gets fired. Chad Morris goes to Auburn. Now everyone's thinking Chandler Morris is going to go to Auburn. I was the one saying, no, he's not. Mm -hmm. Because Chad Morris's idea is not to stay in Auburn for the next four years. So where does Chandler Morris end up? Chandler Morris ends up with someplace where he can have stability, where he doesn't commit because his dad's there and then his dad's gone. Same thing with Kevin with was uh, Kevin Sumlin, is that he is he's on shaky ground. There's no guarantee he's going to be in Arizona for the next four years. So why would your son go there? Sitting in some place where you know he'll have good coaching, and he'll have stability, and that's the reason why the Sumlin kid is in Norman. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't think it's that big of a story. I don't know how much we'll see from this kid, honestly. Um, So I think no one knew about this until like three days ago. Someone in the media notices the name. By the way, Kevin Sumlin, I always go back to when we were running Crimson and Cream Machine, and I wrote an article about the most overrated programs every year in college football, and I had Texas A&M there. And no one said anything about that article until the end of the season when OU played Texas A&M in the Cotton Bowl. That was a Johnny Manziel year. And Kevin Sumlin, I wrote that article in August. So you go into what January, Kevin Sumlin retweets that article, which is a, Hey, thanks for the motivation from an article that was four, five months old. And then I, we suffered the wrath of Texas A&M fans over that. That article became like for that year in January. So that year it was one of the most highly viewed articles all year long because Kevin Sumlin got mad about it. But it didn't disprove my theory. He got mad about it, and Texas A&M beat Oklahoma. But it doesn't disprove the fact that Texas A&M is the most overrated, one of the most overrated programs in the nation, and they fired Kevin Sumlin. Last true or Sorry. false. Sorry, I'm going You're on these. Good. I'm You're just, good. I'm just, I'm just going with this the, stuff. The man. last true or false question I've got is uh, addressing a conversation that I don't think many people are having at this point in time about the running backs. We know about Ramondre Stevenson expecting him to take over that number two role. Now he's not going to be available for however many games we don't know, mm-hmm. but we do know that he will be sitting out. There are more than a handful of worthy candidates to take over that role. I I don't know where where your speculation sits. So this is where my true or false question comes in. It'll be Marcus Major, true or false. It'll be Marcus Major receiving snaps before TJ Pledger in the absence of Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's true. Uh, I, I'm I'm high on um, on Marcus Major, and I think everybody else is high on Marcus Major. When you when you look at the difference between Major and Pledger, is is you look at the the type of running back that they are. Mar- Marcus Major, I think I I, I think actually T.J. Pledger's taller than Marcus Major, but I think Marcus Major has him by about 20 to 25 pounds. So he's a different type of running back. And when you look at T.J. Pledger, he's a lot closer to Kennedy Brooks. No, I'm going to take that back. I think Kenny Brooks is bigger than TJ Pledger as well. I think Kennedy Brooks and Marcus Major are close in size. Ken- Kennedy Brooks would visually looks like the second biggest back on the roster next yeah, I, to Stevenson. Well, I think um, – well, first of all, Stevenson is the biggest back. I, I know he's mm. – I think he's the only running back over six foot. You can you can look that up and, and let me know. I think he's the only running back over six foot, and he's about 230-ish pounds. But I, I think Major's around 220. And and I think Kenny Brooks is in that ballpark as well, which puts Pledger down. I, I'm, I don't even know if Pledger's pushing 200 pounds, honestly. 
I think he's below 200. So all that said, I think the answer to your question is yes. And also, I'm a big fan because we're going with these big, fast running backs. The freshman, Seth McGowan, that's a kid that the Oklahoma fans need to, to look for as well. Um, because I'm, there's two things I'm, I'm really curious about. Um, number one, how long is this suspension going to be? We, we don't know. And so that's going to really give a lot of clarity to this. But here's the other question. If you're losing, you know, for example, Oklahoma, they're losing, they're playing 10 games where they would normally play 12 games, right? So do you still get to red shirt? Do you still get to play in four games and keep your red shirt? Is that still going to be a thing? Because if so, I, I'm confident we're going to see Seth McGowan. I'm just going to give you an update because I am looking up those numbers. Oh, cl- how close was I? Coming in at 220 pounds is Marcus Major. Okay. 5'11". He is the weight-wise the second. So Ramon is number one. At 229. So that's only by nine pounds. So what? where's Kennedy Brooks coming Kennedy in? Kennedy Brooks is 214. He'd fall number three on that list. So it's pleasure over 200? That, that's me, a big question. number four. Kennedy Brooks is number Oh, because number McGowan. Four. McGowan. Yeah, yeah, McGowan's 216. And then Pledger's 198. Yes, I had it right. I, I said I, I didn't think he was over. I, I said I think I said I didn't think he was pushing 200. 198 is clearly pushing 200. who are the same size as him. I'm just saying, that's yeah. Crazy. So, uh, So I'm going to agree with you. That was a very... ADD-esque episode of, <laughs> of True or False. We got the the um we got to talk about the AP, not the AP, the coaches poll, and then we got to talk about scheduling, get, give our thoughts on when Oklahoma's actually going to get started playing football. Okay, here we go. Final segment of the Sooner Nation podcast. By the way, uh, we can surely appreciate any follow that you give us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever you're catching us. We appreciate it. Uh, make sure you give us a subscribe and a rating. Um, and then also, heartland-sports.com. Feel free to drop some comments in there. Hit us up on Twitter, at Sports Heartland, or email us, heartland-sports at yahoo.com. We do appreciate hearing from you guys, and we greatly appreciate you tuning in and listening. All right, AP, I keep saying AP. The coaches Top 25 is out. Oklahoma checking in at number six. The Sooners are the highest of four Big 12 teams that are ranked in the in the in the coaches poll. I start to say AP again. So let's start with Oklahoma. I'm okay with them at number 6. They're right behind LSU and you know me Rich when I've voted I've you and I have argued about this. I feel like if you're the national champion, if you're the defending national champion, you're number 1 until someone proves otherwise. Now the coaches feel like Clemson, Ohio State have proved otherwise because they're number one and number two. Alabama, number three. Georgia, number four. I can't put Oklahoma ahead of LSU. I just can't. And I don't know that I put Oklahoma. I'm, by the way, Clemson, 38. I can. Clemson. And I can do it easily. Yeah, well, Clemson, 38 first place votes. Ohio State, 17. Alabama, four. Only three teams get first place votes. I don't even think Alabama deserves first place votes, but that's neither here nor there. Georgia, number four. LSU, number five. Oklahoma, number six. Now, you're going to say Oklahoma has more returning talent and so forth, and that's why they deserve to be five over LSU and LSU number six. I mean, I really don't have an issue with LSU being ranked number five. I don't have an issue with Oklahoma being being number six, but I would definitely have an issue with LSU being number one. Well, and I get that. I, that's just the way I think, and I'm not voting. And so, but that's my thought is you're number one until someone proves otherwise. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it's always been. I do. I do. I think LSU is the best team in the country. No, no you think Clemson is. I do think which Clemson is why is. they're in number right. one. No, I do. I, clearly, I think Clemson is. Um, it's, it's not even by a slim margin. It's no. It's it in the grand scheme, it is by a slim margin. I'm looking at the points. It's 34 points difference, but I'm looking at the first place right. votes where Clemson has double. What what Ohio State does? Yeah, and and again, I don't. Do you think Alabama deserves first place votes? Man, name recognition. Mac Jones. Name recognition. And the, the quarterback coach, is Nick Mac Saban. Jones. I get that, but I'm looking at Alabama. I'm looking at the perennial power that they have been. Even though the college land uh, landscape is shifting more towards the the quarterback role and away from the dominant offensive lines and running backs that we've seen in the mm-hmm. SEC, does Alabama deserve first place votes? One, two, no. four, maybe. The answer to the question is no. 
They don't. I'm okay with it. Look, though. if you're not going to give LSU first place votes, then you're not going to give Alabama. You think Georgia should get some over Alabama? No, I, I don't think. I so just, you think there's only two teams worthy of first place votes? I think there's one team worthy of first LSU? place votes. LSU? No, one one team. <laughs> the one team when you look at the roster and you look at all that's there, the one team worthy mm-hmm. of first place votes is Clemson. Now, if you're going to give Alabama a first place votes because they're Alabama and Nick Saban's their head coach, if, I mean, it's, if it's just in branding, then you got to give LSU first place votes because they're the defending national champions. It's the exact same rationale. No, it's not. Yes. Yes, it is. No, it's, they don't have the same brand. Well, they're the defending national champion. I get that. They also lost a, a large. They lost chunk everybody. Of the they lost an entire NFL team. I get that. That and that's why I don't think they would be number one very long. But again, if we're just Throwing out first place votes because of the color of the jersey and who the, who's roaming the sidelines, then we got to throw some at LSU if we're going to throw them at Alabama. Now, name recognition, Matt, for me: Alabama, Texas, Oregon, Ohio State. You got to put LSU in Clemson, there. Clemson, LSU's won more national champion. Take take away the 2019 national champion, LSU still won more than Texas and more recently mm-hmm. than Texas. So why would you not put LSU in there with name brand recognition with Texas? Has LSU won one? If you took away 2019, Texas, they've won one more recently Texas, than Texas. Texas won with 2005, mm-hmm. right? Over USC. Hasn't L- didn't didn't uh, Les Miles win? I don't know anymore. Yeah, Nick Saban beat Oklahoma. Wasn't it Nick Saban the head coach when they lost to LSU in the Sugar Bowl, right? So he beat Oklahoma, and then Les Miles won. But so, Oklahoma, yeah. Oklahoma and LSU played in 2003. Right, but I'm saying that was Nick Saban as the head coach. Okay. And then Les Miles leaves Stillwater to, to go to Baton Rouge, and he won a championship post-2005. Over Alabama. Please nine, don't make was me— Was it Alabama 9-6? to six? Please don't make me Google LSU national champions. All I'm going to say is LSU has—if you're going to put Texas in the conversation, you got to put LSU in the conversation. Okay. You're going to Google it? I am going to Google it. Okay. So, okay. So let's move on. Oklahoma, number six. I got no problem with that. Um, you're going to come back with some answers. Here's where I begin to have a little bit of problem in, in conjunction with big 12 teams. Texas, number 14, I think is too high for Texas, but I get it because we've always talked about the Texas. Texas is going to Texas, right? Name brand recognition. Oklahoma State at number 16. I think when you consider you've got the odds on favorite in the big 12, one of the odds on favorites nationally for the Heisman Trophy, one of the odds on favorites nationally for the Bolitnikoff on your team with an improving defense and a second-year quarterback who was pretty salty his first year. I think if there's one Big 12 school who can make an argument that they are being overlooked, it's Oklahoma State. I, I think Oklahoma State should be nudged into the top 15 somewhere. I would take out. Texas A&M, I could take out Auburn, I could take out Oregon. <laughs> I'm just saying I could flop some of those teams out and put Oklahoma State in the top 15. And you know how I feel about Oklahoma State. I am not an Oklahoma State fan, but I'm just looking at if we're going to if we're going to share, share the love and we're going to say who's who's overlooked here. Iowa State, you got Brock Purdy, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of question marks we've talked about, so Iowa State number 25, I don't think they've got an argument. Texas, just be happy you're you're included, right? Oklahoma you're on the outside looking in the top four. That's where you want to be. Oklahoma State, number 16, I feel like that's just, they deserve better. Man, I'm looking over this list. I do agree with you when it comes to Oklahoma State. You look at this three-headed monster, which is always given success to Mike Gundy. You can go back to 2011 being the first year where we really saw that three-headed monster from the Cowboys. We've seen that repeat itself here and there very sparingly, Mm -hmm. but now we're back at that point. Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, Spencer Sanders, the three-headed monster on the offensive side, and a very opportunistic Oklahoma State defense, which is what they've branded themselves as. It's, It's what they've been recognized as. But you have Har is it Harvell Pill or Harvey? Colby Pill? Harvell Pill, yeah. Harvell Pill, who will be the leader, unquestioned leader of that defense on the back end. There, there's a lot of good things that are happening in Stillwater on both sides of the ball, which is why I would bump them up. And it's why I, in my personal rankings, I have them as the number two team here in the Big Twelve. Okay. Do do they deserve the respect? Yes. Are they going to get it? No. Why? Because the national brand isn't quite as big. Now, that's a team I will agree with you that if you're going national branding, Oklahoma State's not in there. Mm -hmm. LSU definitely is. And how many championships? 
What do you, what do you I, I didn't look up how many they had. I just want to know what their most recent one is minus 2019. It was 2007. Okay. So that, two years after Texas. That was the lowest scoring game that nobody wanted to watch, if I'm not mistaken. So just to clarify, since Texas last won a national championship, LSU has won twice. Correct. But you would not include LSU in branding with Texas. I mean, no. <laughs> Matt, I'm I'm looking at it conference wise, and when you begin these talks of the SEC, the first name that pops up isn't LSU. It's it's always Alabama, and what? here over the past five years, the number two name has been Georgia. <sighs> okay, that's that's like remember when Baylor had their rise in the Big Twelve? Mm-hmm. So that it was man. It, Baylor, I mean, every time something good happens on the football field, it all crumbles. Right. And I just feel like Georgia is a, a late, they're a newcomer. They're a late bloomer. But but Georgia has been a perennial power in the past. Okay. So has LSU. I get that. Just tell me, just concede and say LSU is a national brand. LSU is a brand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk, let's talk Big 12 scheduling. Um, and I, I got some thoughts on this. The, the first thought is this. Uh, there's some completely wrong takes out here about the Big 12. The idea is because the Big 12 is the last of the Power 5 conferences to announce what they were doing, that they were the last of the Power 5 conferences to have a plan. Now, here's why this idea is out there. Here's why this thought process is out there. Because there's a lot of people who are mad at the Big 12. They're dissatisfied with the Big 12. They want Oklahoma. They want Texas. They want whatever to be somewhere else other than the Big 12. And so because they don't like the Big 12, they're going to say, well, we're the, look, we're the last one to even have a plan. Because you're the last one to announce your plan doesn't mean you're the last one to have a plan. In fact, the Big 12 had like 30 different contingencies. And what they were trying to do, this is what I know. The Big 12 wanted to do a 12, at least a 12-game season. They were trying to do everything they could to do everything other than the 9 plus 1. Now, the 9 plus 1 format's been out there for a long time. When I say a long time, I mean like several weeks. But everybody knew that was a possibility, but the Big 12 won. That was the last-ditch effort possibility. That is the if we, worst-case scenario, here's what we're going to do, 9 plus 1. But we're going to continue to work angles, and we're going to continue to do this and continue to do that to try to provide the opportunity for our teams to experience 11, 12 games a season. And when that, when that became less and less and less of a possibility, the 9 plus 1 is all that was left. But because you're the last one to announce, doesn't mean you didn't have a plan, doesn't mean you didn't try. In fact, I would applaud the Big 12 over the Big 10. The Big 10 just said, forget about it. We're just doing conference only. The Big 12 said, well, let's see what we can work out. Pac-12, forget about it. We're doing conference only. Well, let's talk to the ACC. Let's talk to the SEC. ACC, we got to deal with Notre Dame. Well, let's talk to the SEC. SEC, nope, conference only. So then the Big 12's left with no more options. But they tried. At least they tried. And I, I've got my problems with the Big 12. I've got issues with the way it's officiated in basketball, softball, <laughs> football. I've got issues with that. I've got issues with Texas thinking they're the big dog and trying to run the show when they're not. But I don't think this is something where we can really dog the Big 12 for. I, I really don't. I, I, I think I would, and I know in the media, for sure in the media, I'm in the minority here. But I would applaud Bob Bowlesby and what he tried to do to get these teams to play as many games as would be possible in a safe fashion. I got no problems with the Big 12 being the last to announce. I don't either. Largely because I do believe that the plan that was in place was going to work for Oklahoma. I also believed that the three conferences, the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 coming together was going to work. When one of those dominoes fell, pulled out of the conversation, a la the SEC, the ACC then went to their next right. plan, set that one in motion, which left the Big 12, who I, I believe would have still been in talks with the ACC, to figure out some kind of scheduling compromise in order to get better quality opponents mm -hmm. and up the chances of making that college football playoff, even with one loss on the schedule. Right. When the ACC announced their plan and then adopted Notre Dame football, 
I know that their Notre Dame is a part of the ACC when it comes to basketball as well as other sports, but they adopted football into this year. It really saved Notre Dame more than it saved anybody else and then put the Big 12 all of a sudden going to plan three or maybe even four, if not five, Mm -hmm. before they, they announced it. I don't I don't see an issue with waiting. In fact, it's in my opinion, it's better to not jump the gun like the Big Ten, in my opinion, did. But it was better to wait, to have all the facts, to keep the options on the table before making a final decision. And it was very cautious and wise of the Big 12 to do. Right. Now, so let's look at when the season is going to start for Oklahoma. Never. The big, what did you say? (laughs) Never. Never. Uh, March. Uh, No, uh, so the the Big 12 is going to plan this first conference game either the Saturday the 26th or the Saturday the 19th of September. We know Oklahoma wants at least a two-week window in between first game, second game. So that means Oklahoma is either going to start on the 19th or the 12th. Uh, or excuse me, the, the either on if it's the 26th, they're going to start on the 12th. If it's the um, if it's the 19th, they're going to start on the 5th. So we will not have Oklahoma football, in my opinion, until September. And that's okay. That's less than a month. We're recording this on August 6th. That's less than a month. We can go another month. Now, the question is, who's that opponent going to be? Missouri State very much wants this game. But if it gets moved away from August 29th, I think Missouri State might get into some scheduling problems. I think it's going to get moved away from August 29th because I don't think Oklahoma is going to go from August 29th to September 19th or September 26th before playing the next game. I just don't see that happening. So Oklahoma has been in talks with Boise State, Cincinnati, Central Florida, and Missouri State. Missouri State's the most logical. Right. Because they were just right. It's I-44. It's, Springfield it's, to Norman's like seven hours. It's not just that it's logical. Here's why Missouri State makes sense for Oklahoma. Because the Sooners already have the broadcast rights for that game. Between those two would yeah. push that out as they normally do for a non-conference game. Expect that one to be be pay-per-view. Again, that's something that's normal of the beginning of the season for the Oklahoma Sooners against a lesser opponent that doesn't have that same, let's use the term brand, Matt, shall we, as Army in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Made sense for me. They've already got the broadcasting rights. It is going to come down to a date, though, as you've mentioned, if that is September 5th, there's still no issue because that was the original scheduled date for this game to be played. It is more so when you look at the 12th, the 19th as those other potential dates for this game to be played that Oklahoma could get themselves in a little bit of trouble. Okay. Missouri state would get themselves in a little bit of trouble in terms of scheduling. If they were looking for that payout. Well, if it's September 5th, I think Missouri state still good yeah, because that, like that was said, the original no schedule. If it's September 12th, then there, there's, there's an issue. And I look, I, I, again, I don't have a problem. The big 12, you you knew that you knew that the Tennessee game was out when the SEC said we're only playing conference. You knew the Army game was out when the Big 12 said we're doing nine plus one, but your your plus one has to be a home game. Army is not coming back to Norman, mm-hmm. so at least Missouri State. But there there's a for me there's some intrigue if you look at Boise Ooh. State, Central Florida, or Cincinnati. Missouri State does not have anyone on the schedule for the 26th. I know you're talking about starting the conference slates on yeah. that week. Yeah, so, so that's not, Mi- that's not Missouri help. State. I know if it goes past the fifth, Missouri State's out of the conversation. That's, that's what I'm saying. Is there, that, there are no other options with Missouri State. That's, I'm on board with you're you. You're making my point. Yeah, so if it's if it's if it's the twelfth, if you're starting your season on the twelfth, you can't play Missouri State. Let's ask the question then. You you were the first person I ever heard mention BYU as no, I as, yeah. as a potential partner. Through this time, BYU had been ruled out mm-hmm. pretty early on in this process. If you're looking at, at UCF, Cincinnati, and Boise State, who's that number one target for you? For me, it'd be UCF because there are you got two reasons. Number one, they're they're a top twenty five team, so you get a nationally broadcast game against a top twenty five team. It's not going to be pay per view anymore. No, right. So you're talking about dollars, okay? So uh-huh. it all comes of the dollars. And number two, Josh Heupel. Is the head coach. Right. So you got that connection. So I think UCF becomes the most notable of that group. Of course, then you got Boise State with the uh, Fiesta Bowl that happened years ago. You know, Ian Johnson. Yeah, but people have not forgotten. No, that's what I'm saying. That's why that uh, that game draws people, some interest. And people wouldn't have forgotten about West Virginia either, but they joined the conference. Right. 
and they haven't beat Oklahoma since they joined the conference, right. but just throwing that out there. And then I think Cincinnati <laughs> comes in three there. But look, Missouri State, it's the it's the easiest thing. Missouri State has been so uh, accommodating. To, look, Oklahoma. Very we're, flexible. Yeah, we're going to move this date. Sure, we're going to help you with testing. Yeah, okay. So Missouri State, I think still there's a good chance if Oklahoma starts the season on September 5th, it's going to be Missouri State. But if Oklahoma right. has to move back to September 12th, it's going to be somebody else. So that's just, I mean, that's all we know. And that goes back to the very top of this podcast was this is an episode where we don't know. So I hope it's Missouri State on September 5th because that means two weeks later we get Big 12 football. But if it's not September 5th, I hope it's Central Florida on September 12th. Help me with your math here because I'm really struggling. Okay. Oklahoma, three games, had a bye week scheduled originally. Mm -hmm. Move that up. One week, the start of the season, that is. All of a sudden, two bye weeks to begin, but conference play wouldn't have started. I I did pull up the schedule. I wanted to look at it really quickly, and this is what triggered this conversation for me. Oklahoma wasn't scheduled to start the conference slate until October, October 3rd. Right, but they're going to move that up. The first Big 12 conference week will start either the 19th or the 26th of September. That's what that's the next that's when I talk about the next big hurdle for the Big 12 is readjusting their schedule and and saying Mm -hmm. when they're going to play. Well, it's either going to be the 19th or the 26th. Okay. And then the teams are left to figure out who their plus one is. I'm tracking you here because when you pull up what the original schedule was supposed to be and you throw out the idea of shuffling that around, Mm -hmm. it makes sense that you have all of September to play that. So you're thinking, yeah, you're just thinking Baylor on October 3rd. Right. Right. Uh No, but that's that. Baylor's going to be the, if if they keep the schedule, I'm assuming they're going to keep the schedule the way it is because the conference schedule is made. So that means they're either going to play Baylor on the September 26th or they're going to play Baylor on September 19th. And then you're going to have your plus one game two weeks prior to that date. So if they play Baylor on September 26th, that means September 12th, they're going to play somebody. <laughs> if they play Baylor on September 19th, that means September 5th, they're going to play Missouri State. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. I'm tracking with you. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for our time as well. Again, thanks so much for listening to the Sooner Nation podcast. He's Rich. I'm Matt. We'll be back to talk more next week.